Well, good morning. Come on now. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? You got to make a little bit of noise. Yes. It's good to see you guys. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much for coming out in the cold and the snow that's coming, right? Everybody's got their milk and bread, right? Everybody's good to go, and we're ready for the snow that's coming in. And, uh, you know, it may be cold outside, but it's going to get hot up in here. Come on now. We're so glad you're here. We want to welcome everybody watching online. We know maybe you weren't able to make it out today and uh, because of the weather, but thank you for tuning in as well, it is Valentine's Day, so I'm really excited about that. That means uh, I get to do a lot of house chores, right? <laughs> if you know your uh, spouse's love language, that's one thing you get to do. And for me, I know that's uh, uh, doing a lot of house chores because that is my wife's love language, that MPF chain. If I can talk her into going, I'm gonna take her there too today. Come on now, right? So anyway, we're so glad that you tuned in for us uh, to be here today. Also, when Adam said, talked about marriage nights coming up. If you're married, you don't wanna miss this. I'm telling you, the last few years we've done this, it's been amazing. We've seen life change. We've seen, uh, we've seen marriages restored because of marriage night. People about to throw the towel in, sign the divorce paper. In fact, I know one couple on the way to the divorce attorney on Monday, watched the message and tore the papers up and said, no, we're gonna fight for our marriage. Marriage is worth fighting for. So if you've got a great marriage, come. If your marriage is not so good, Come. If you're on the verge of losing it, make sure that you are here. In fact, one of the things that we're going to do that night, just a little sneak peek, is that, you know, a lot of times people like to do the marriage renewal vows, but we're going to have a time for a renewal vows to each other. So we're super excited about it. No matter if you've been married for a year, if you've been married for 50 years, we're going to have a renewal time. And so if you want to come a little jazzed up, if you want to get, you know, we're going to take your picture stuff. So if you want to dress up for it for the photo and we're going to give you a gift for it, that's up to you. That's a, there's no dress code. So you, you know, wear what you want to wear. But uh, if you want to dress up, I told my wife, I'm going to wear a suit. She said, no, you ain't. We ain't dressing up. <laughs> so, you know, you may be married to one wants to dress up one on one, but it doesn't matter. We just want you to come and be here. Also, real quick, I'll throw this out there. This Wednesday, we're starting back college night. I am so excited about college night, 9.30. I'm stoked about it. I got a message I can't wait to preach. If you're in college, you don't want to miss this. Right back here on Wednesday night at 9.30. Super excited about that. And also, we've been waiting for a very long time, but we're now ready in position back on February the 24th. We are having one big, large youth worship service. I'm so so excited about this one. I'm going to be preaching that night, and we're going to ask all the parents to come and bring their students. I got a word for you. I want to share with you direction where we're heading in our student ministry, and I'm telling you what, I've never been more excited about the direction where God's leading us than I am right now, and so I'm going to be preaching that night, February 24th, of one big, large youth worship experience we're going to have. So excited about it. The team's been planning for it, praying about it, and we just believe that God's about to do something great uh, in and through that student ministry. So if that's you as a parent, if you're watching it as and your teenagers, make sure that you get there as well. So today it is Valentine's Day, so we're going to talk about, come on, come on, come on, love, right? We're going to talk about love today. Aren't you glad we're going to be talking about love? Sounds like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, we're going to talk about love today. So I want you to grab your Bibles and go with Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at what does real love look like? Like, what does real love really actually look like? look like? Because so many people seek it, right? We seek one love. We want real love. We don't want fake love, right? How, how, what does it really look like? So let me go to say this. If you're single and you're here, you're watching this, this is to take notes because as you begin to find someone who says they love you, you need to figure out what does real love look like? And also, are you displaying that? Like, are you becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? 
And so are you becoming that person? If you're dating, you, hopefully you'll find out if you really have real love or not, right? <laughs> you're gonna, hopefully after that you realize, do I really have real, real love in my life? And if you're married, you either, either you know what real love is now because you experienced or you really, you don't know what it is because you're like, I haven't experienced it right yet. So, but anyway, no matter where you find yourself in relationship, this is gonna apply to you. Also, I'm gonna be really honest with you. The passage is not so much talking about marriage couples. In fact, it's talking about Christian brothers brotherly love, how that we should love other people. So this goes from all relationships. So it doesn't matter if I'm talking about how you love your neighbor, how you love people around you, how do you love friendships around you, this will apply for you. This is what love looks like. So if you love your friends, this is what love looks like. If you love your boyfriend or your girlfriend, this is what real love looks like. If you love your spouse, this is what love looks like. So no matter where you are on this whole relationship spectrum, we all have some types of relationships with people. This applies to you. So Paul, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go verse by verse, break this down, and there's a lot of content right here. I'm gonna go on and tell you up front, I don't apologize for giving you a lot of content, especially when it's the word of God. There is a lot of content here. And what you're gonna find out is some of these things you're doing, you're knocking it out of the park. Some of these things, you are killing it. And then other things you're not doing so well in. So here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. You can get your phone out, get a pen out, grab the person's lipstick beside you and take a napkin and write some notes down. Because I'm telling you, I want you to write these things down. And this is why, so that you have something this week to study, that you could go and take this verse and study, how am I loving other people in my relationships? But also you may find some areas that you say, hey, I really need to work on this one, this one. If you're married and you're here, I wanna encourage you to talk about this. I want you to take one of these principles or one of the ones I talk about and say, hey, you know what? This is one that we need to work on. This is one that, that we struggle with. This is the one that, hey, that I think that you need to and you fill in the blank, okay? And so, and that just gets you prepared for marriage night that's coming up next Sunday night. We were gonna have it tonight, but we wanna make sure you have enough bread, milk, and diapers if you have babies. Can I get an amen? All right, so here we go. What does real love look like? If you're taking notes, I hope that you're gonna write something down. If not, just text somebody and make you think you're writing something down. And here's the first point I want you to know is this, that real love is sincere. Now you're like, uh, yeah, right? No, no, no. Real love is not fake. Real love is not just put on. Real love is a true, true, sincere love. Look what Paul says, Romans 12, starting in verse nine. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't give people this fake love. In fact, this, this love is a word come like hypocrisy from a hypocrite. Hypocrite, that, that word came from an acting. It was a stage acting play. It was someone who had multiple masks on, right? You've seen them before, like someone would turn this way and they have a face and they're decked in their mask and they turn around the other way and they got another mask on and an acting show or play. That's where this word comes from. Someone who is two-faced, someone who wears multiple masks, someone who puts one mask on when they're around their friends and they talk one way, behave one way, act one way, and then they put another mask on when their families, they talk one way, act one, behave one way, and then they put their mask on when they come to church and they talk in one way, laugh one way, and act one way, and wave their hanky one way. You know what I'm talking about? That's what the word hypocrite. That's why if somebody full of integrity, they're the same no matter where they go. At a ball game, at Cracker Barrel, at Walmart, at PF Chain, hopefully later, right? It doesn't matter. Like anywhere you go, you are the same. And he said, if you're going to be this type of perfect, show sincere, true love. Don't show this fake love. Be sincere. Be yourself as loving someone from the center of who you are. Here's the problem. Most people don't know who they are. 
That's why they have a problem is loving other people because they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to, one, love themselves. You know, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the reason why most people have love problems is because they don't know how to love themselves. And they've got this fake pretend love once with themselves and for other people. Paul says this, if we're going to love people in our relationships, we got to be sincere about it. we got to show it, right? I mean, come on now. Come on. That cracks me up, man. Hearing about, I have teenagers now, and uh, so I'm around teenagers too and listen to them. Isn't it amazing? And I would, listen, I'm not busting on you because I was in that camp too. Isn't it amazing how a 13-year-old just tells people how much they love each other? I just love you so much. I just want to spend the rest of my life with you. You've changed my life. We've been dating two weeks and three day hours. I'm telling you what, it's just so mad. I love him. I love this guy. I love him. He just loves me. He feels so warm and fuzzy. I love him. Like, you have no idea what love is, right? And I was there, right? You love, love I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. I love, love, love. Like, what in the world are we doing? Like, we don't even know what sincere, true love is. Listen, there's adults who don't even know what love is. There's people who've been married and they still don't understand how to express the love to each other. And then we got this culture, we raise up, like you gotta tell people love. It's like, really, you know, I really don't just, I just love, a, I just love someone being there with me so I get to go to prom. You know, I wanna go to the dance. Right? I just wanna be alone. I wanna, I wanna please people to make them think at least I could get a date, right? Oh, that's another whole topic. That's another whole sermon. We'll talk to dating couples later. But if Paul says, if you're gonna love people around you at work, your coworkers, your boss, your spouse, doesn't matter. When you love people, it needs to be sincere. As a Christian, you need to love from what's in you flowing out of you to the people around you. Here's the second thing, this. Real love is not only sincere, but real love is discerning. Like true, true love, this real love discerns. Now, what does it mean to discern? What does it mean like discerning? Well, listen to what Paul says, continuing in verse nine. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. So what Paul is saying here, know the difference between right and wrong, know the difference between good and bad. And honestly, a lot of times we don't even know what that is. Why? Because love can be blinding. Love will blind you. Listen to me, ladies. Love would allow him to verbally abuse you, but you won't leave him because you are blinded by love. You know, oh, I know he's a good person. He's a good guy. He doesn't mean what he says. The Bible says what's in you comes out of you. And if it is coming out of his mouth, it's because it's in his heart. Oh, but I'll change him. I'll change him. You can't change anybody. I'll fix him. I'll fix him. You can't fix anybody. So what do you want me to do? Break up with him? Yeah. But we've got four years invested. I can't just throw four years. Everybody's always thought, expected. We're the ones that get married. We're the couple. No one knows really how he treats me. Listen, a 30-minute ceremony, putting a ring on your finger and changing your last name will not stop him from verbally abusing you. See, love is blinding. And I know that was kind of a harsh statement, but you do not believe how many people I see over and over and over stay in a relationship like that because, in this dating type relationship, because, well, we have time invested. He was the first person I slept with. I gave my life to him. I gave everything to him. I can't just leave it now. And you'll rehash this over and over and over and over and over, but listen to me. Real love discerns. He says he loves you, then he'll wait for you. He says he loves you, then he better treat you like a queen, like a princess. Like my daughter, she got this sign that says, I found my prince, he's my daddy. And we, I hold it up and all, all the time with her. I say, that's right. And that's why I treat you that way. You gotta find someone who's gonna treat you better than daddy treats you. 
I tell her that all the time. She's only six, so hang tight. I don't you know, just keep putting her in her head, put it in her mind, right? Just let her know. Just make sure she understands that. Because I want her to raise up knowing that this is how a God treats you and this is how you should be treated and don't settle for anything less. Listen to me, ladies, don't settle for anything less. Discern this. I know you have your parents telling you one thing, your friends telling you another thing, your, 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 your people around you, your close people say, this is not good for you, this is toxic, 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 because you're blinded by love or a fake love you allow this to happen to you over and over and over. Now, it's not just happened to ladies either. I know guys too as well. And so you got to understand that love is discerning. Love is not blind. It needs to have a clear vision. Listen to me, not every relationship's a good relationship. Not every relationship. I mean, not every choice you make is a good choice. Not every friend is the best friend for you. Not every career move is the best career move for you. Not everything you purchase, the wisest thing you should do for your money. But love is discerning. What do you truly love? And are you discerning what that is? So don't get blind. Take a step back. It's okay. And see, is this what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad for me as I move forward in my relationships? And whatever type of relationship. Sometimes you got some toxic friends that you need to depart from in your life. That group of friends is toxic for you. And you can't discern that. You're sucked into that because I love my friends and I love my boys. You know, that's how we do. And then when I'm around them, then why do you always give in to blank when you're always this influence around this circle of your friends? Or ladies, why you also always gossip around other, talk bad about other people when you're with this group of friends? You know, gossiping's a sin, don't you? So some of us need to find, see, we're not, we think we love this group and how they make us feel when we're part of this connection, but we're not discerning, is this good or bad? Is this right or wrong? What we do when we are together. See, true love, true love is discerning and true love is sincere. Here's the third one. Real love shows affection. Now you would think this is a given, right? Real love shows affection. Now, Depending on what translation you're using, this is the New Living Translation, your translation may say brotherly kindness or brotherly love or love as brothers and sisters. That word love in the Greek is Philadelphia. It's where we get the city of brotherly love. That's the, one of the love words in the Bible. It's called Philadelphia. The picture of it is for all Christians that we are to love each other as if we all came out of the same womb. That's the picture. That's why the early church says you must be born again into the kingdom of God. And if you are born again, we have come from the same birth. We're out of the same vein, right? As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to love each other as if we came from family. That's what that word means, to brotherly love one another. Genuinely show affection to one another. And here's the thing. So many people receive affection differently. See, so many people get married and what you think love is, you display it and you realize that's not what love is to them. I, I found that out. Like my wife and I, like you, you need to find out what is your love language. I sat down with a couple one time. They've been married 38 years. I said, what's your spouse's love language? What's your wife's love language? He goes, I don't know. So what do you mean you don't know? You've been married 38 years and you know, I don't know. And then I asked her, what's your, what's your husband's love language? And she said, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You've been married 38 years and you don't know what each other's love language is. There's a free test. You can take it online. It takes you maybe eight minutes or something. If you're married, I want to encourage if you're watching on, just go Google it. The five love languages. Take it. Talk about it. It's fun. And what you realize is that you see that opposites attract and then opposites attack. It's crazy how that works. Have you seen that, right? 
Like my wife and I, we are complete 100%. I mean, as far as you can be opposite. If we take the disc test profile, unless you're probably in the corporate world, you don't know what the disc test is, it's okay. We're completely on the other end of the spectrum. Her love language is active service. I scored a whopping zero in active service. My love language, one of my top ones, I'm like all of them, but one of my top ones is words of affirmation. She scores a zero in words of affirmation. We are completely 100% opposite when it comes to our love language. But once we discover that, it's not it's her, it's not that it's me, it's what we now have to adapt to how each one of us feels and express love. So many people don't know what that is for them. And that's why you're frustrated with the person, like, what do you mean, don't you see how much I love you? I work hard for you and I provide for you, says the man. That's not her love language, unless it's gifts, and she wants to take your money and buy gifts. Can I get a witness, ladies, right? Unless that's her love language. And you're like, I'm trying to do everything I can to provide for you, but that's not what her love language is. She don't need you, she don't need the presence from you, she needs your presence with her. That's her love language. In the same way with you, and opposite. Like, you know, how can we spend time? Like, what do you mean? I'll do what you... So you got to figure that out. And this is a really easy little test. It doesn't matter. I even took my, let my sons take it. Take your love language. Why? So we as parents know how to show you how that you feel love. Why? Because everyone's wired differently. You can't lead everyone or love everyone the exact same way. So it's just a very easy thing for you to do it. And so many people have no idea. I don't even know what my love language is. I don't even know what theirs is and you don't know what real love, you think you know what real love, you're not discerning, it's not sincere, it's not with a genuine affection, everyone receives affection differently, and if you want to really love someone, you gotta figure out what that is. You gotta figure out, well, man, that takes work. Welcome to Relationships 101. It takes work, and it's hard work. Here's the fourth thing. I told you there's a lot of stuff here. Some of you, you may be winning at some of them, and you may need to work on some of the other ones. There's a lot. He gets so many things in this passage, just a few verses. Here's the fourth thing is this, like if you really want to know what real love is, real love honors other people. Like real love honors others. And this is the big one because we, we don't really, this is a word that we kind of don't, we throw out there. So many people don't use this word honor anymore. In fact, what's so fascinating about this word, if you'll go study this word honor, this, this literally in the Greek word here, it has a sense of competition. In fact, some of your translations may say outdo each other by showing honor, which means it's a competition. Who can honor the other and the first, the fastest and the best? Honor one another. It means to go before someone. It means to proceed. It means to lead onward. It means to, to give preferential treatment to someone else. Here's what honor looks like. I'm gonna put you before me. And that goes against everything our culture teaches. It goes against everything we're wired because of our sinful flesh is that I want to watch after me. I want to be first. I want to make sure that I'm taken care of first and I want my needs met first. It's all about me, 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 my, 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 all about me. Honor says it's all about you. And imagine, just imagine that one simple principle right there. Imagine married couples, real quick, if you're married, if you're watching, imagine if you just take that one principle right there and you would begin to put your spouse before yourself. Most people wouldn't end up in my office because the biggest reason why most people have marital problems is because they don't know how to grow up. It's all about selfish, all about me, me. I want what I want, when I want, how I want it, and you don't do it the right way. What if it wasn't about you? But come on, you mean I'm, 
you made the commitment. I'm gonna break down the seven vows that we talked about. If you attend Mary Night, we're gonna display, I got short, some short teachings I'm gonna send to you and break down the seven vows when you looked at someone and you said, I take you for better, for worse. You see, love is blinding. We repeat these statements and have no idea what they mean. After marriage night, you're going to find those out. So anyway, I want to make sure you, you be part of that and you sign up that, especially if you're, if you're thinking about getting married. It'd be a great premarital counsel for you to say, before I take these vows, what do they mean? Because if I'm going to commit to that for the rest of my life, you better know what you're committing to. Because it's, not a, it's, it's a covenant, not a contract. And our whole world wants to treat your marriage as a contract. Contract protects me. It's all about me. How can I get out? Don't take my stuff. Make sure there's an ex, ex, escape route here if I don't like it down the road. That's a contract. A covenant says I relinquish all my rights and I give it all to you and I'm with you for the, bound for the rest of my life. Some of you don't need to get married because you can't commit. Until you understand what a covenant is, it's not a contract. And so many people want to treat marriage as a contract and it's not, it's a covenant. It's a big difference. Sorry, that was like way ahead. That's coming down the road. Honor one another. Put other people first. Put, your, put people first and watch what it does. Watch what it does. Imagine if you go to your workplace and you start honoring your boss, honoring your coworkers, honoring the people around you. Let me tell you something that's gonna happen. Here's a leadership principle. You will move up in that organization faster than what you could imagine because people are gonna see when you're around, you always put other people first, not whining about you. It's not about you. And complaining to everybody else. Complain, 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 complain. But you honor, 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 honor. Honor up, honor down, and honor all around you. You will move up faster in your organization than you could ever imagine. Try it, and when you do, come and say, guess what? It worked. Honor goes a long way, but imagine in our relationships, honor each other, putting others first. Here's the fifth thing I wanna share with you. Real love shows enthusiasm. Real love shows enthusiasm. It's excited, it's passionate, right? Listen to what Paul says in verse 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, he's talking about relationships here. The Bible says that we're to serve each other, and when we serve each other, we serve each other as if we were serving the Lord. Everything you do, you should do it unto the Lord. You should go to work wherever you work unto the Lord. You should go into your relationship unto the Lord. I must serve the people around me as I was serving the Lord. And the Lord sees your servant attitude, your servant heart, and he will bless you if you begin to serve the people around you. Again, imagine if you're married and we're in a relationship, if we served one another. But not only do we serve anything out of duty, but out of devotion, out of passion, because you choose to do that. Could you imagine what that would do to your relationships? If we really were excited and passionate about the people that's in our lives, that we did it with zeal and excitement and enthusiasm? I mean, I mean I'm telling you, like, let's like, I've been married 22 years this coming August, will be 22 years, and I tell my wife and I tell people, I'm still honeymooning, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, marriage is what you make it. People's like, I, I, I hear it all the time, hey, give it marriage about three years, and man, I'm telling you, like, goes down. Well, you, that stinks for you because mine is still skyrocketing, y'all. I'm, I'm gonna make it, and I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna go with passion. In fact, my wife thinks I'm probably too excited about it. And I said, honey, I would, I tell her all the time, listen to me, listen, my, I, there, there's not another one, there's not a woman on the planet that's more firm than my wife. I affirm her over and over, and I speak to her over and over and over, and listen, remember, she got a big goose egg for that. That does nothing for her. And listen, I, we were driving to church one morning. She was driving me here, and I came around the corner, and I, there was Walmart, and I saw the church 
church up on the hill. And I looked at her and I said, honey, I can't believe what God's done in our life. And I said, you mean the world to me. I tell you what, if I could start over, I would marry you all over again. You're the prettiest person I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't wait to continue to roll up every single day of my life and see you. You are gorgeous. You are beautiful. You love Jesus. You are fine. I, I don't deserve you. You mean the world to me, honey. And I, I worship the ground that you walk on. And as God is my witness, she looks at me. She goes, now, where are we eating after church? Really? If she would have said that to me, I would have pulled it over the car over and I would have cried. I would have cried. Because that's my love language. That's how I receive it. And so you got to figure that out. So I'm passionate about expressing and finding out how to continue to treat her so my daughter would see that's how a woman should be treated. That's who I want to look for. See, it's not just even about us. Now, I've got to model this for my sons, how you treat a girl. For my daughter, how a man should treat you. You see, it's bigger than just when you have kids. And some of you, I know you don't have kids yet, and that's fine, but it's bigger. Like, we set the examples. And so we have to display that. So dad wants to do it with passion and excitement and enthusiasm. I'm not like, I can't believe I got, I'm got married to you, man. Like, this is what marriage is supposed to be like? Come on, man. And this doesn't mean you don't have tough times. It doesn't mean there's highs and lows. But it means you work through those things. Why? Because you find the love language and you begin to work this out. Real love shows passion. It shows zeal. And Paul says, if you love, serve them as if you serve the Lord. Watch this. With excitement. With enthusiasm. And watch what God begins to do in your relationships around you. Here's another one. Continue to take notes. There's a lot here. It tells a lot of context. But right this packed in these verses. Real love is patient. Real love waits. Real love is just slows down and patient. Patient. If you're dating, be patient. Be patient. Real love is patient. Not in a hurry. Not, come on, let's go. It's, it's patience. Listen, relationships are tough, right? They're tough. Life is tough. No one said it ever be easy. But listen to what Paul says in verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble and keep on praying. See, a lot of times we don't want to be patient. Something happens in a relationship, throw the towel in, done. Well, he says, don't give up hope. Be patient while trials are happening, but keep on praying. Keep on praying. Some of you, you are just one more moment from a breakthrough in your relationship, and, but you're about to throw the towel in. Listen to me. Go one more lap. Try one more time. But you don't know what's going on. You don't know. I know I don't. I know I don't. And I don't know everyone's situation. But for the majority of them, just one more lap. Just continue to be patient. Continue to be patient. Continue to walk this out. Continue to pray for your spouse who may be lost, who don't know Jesus. Continue to pray for your relationships as you're around people at work. Continue to pray. Listen, don't quit. Don't give up. Continue to be patient. And watch the Lord come through in your relationships. Walk it, but continue to work on you. Become the person that God wants you to become. Become the person on that the person you're waiting for is looking for. Become that person. Because love is patient. We know this, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We could, use, we could use that whole entire chapter on love. But real love is patient. So listen to me, ladies. If he says he loves you, then love will wait. Love is patient. Love is patient. Oh, but he's not. No, no, no. True love, real love 
not fake love, not fantasy love, not lust, real love. It's patient, patient. And don't settle for anything less. And Paul wants you to know that in those times of trouble, have hope, be patient, never stop praying. Because I believe for some of you who have having marital problems, if God can resurrect his son from the dead, God can resurrect your marriage from the dead. And everything you've always wanted can be with the person you said I do to. Yes, we may need some help. There may be some counseling. need some hoops and hurdles to go through. There may be some tough times, but you could get to the place where God wants you to be. I believe that. Here's another thing. Real love is generous. Real love is generous. Paul says in verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Remember he says, show brotherly kind. This is the family of God. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. What is it? If you truly love someone, you'll be generous. Most of us go into relationships to see what we can get, not what we can give. But imagine if you go into a relationship, what can I give? How can I serve? How can I be excited? How can, how can I honor you? Could you imagine if both people in any relationship felt that way? Could you imagine what type of relationship that would be? If both of them would do that, I'm gonna give, not take from you. And so many people, I see them all the time, they're trying to take, 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 take from relationships. They're give and give and give, life give and give of themselves. I love that word right there, hospitality. It means to show kindness to a stranger. Show kindness that you're hospitable to one another and be generous to them, to help the people around you. This is where relationships birth out of that. I'm gonna share with you my time, my affection, my words, or whatever it may be for you. Generously give your life to them. And that's what I did when I said I do. I gave my life to my wife for the rest of my life. I'm gonna give you everything I have to you. See, love is generous. The next thing is love is kind. This one's a big one. I think this one is, this is where we struggle with, I think, a lot of times because hurting people hurt people. And people hurt will hurt you. The people you love the most, family members, friends, spouses, ex-spouses, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, parents. Like this is, this is the one where really like shows the love that only can flow from the Holy Spirit that's within you is to be kind to people who hurt you and wrong you. Not curse them, but bless them. Listen to what Paul says in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Imagine that. The person that hurts you, that you pray and ask God to bless them. Things in this world will happen to you and how you respond to that will determine on what God has been doing in your life. You'll be persecuted, you'll be hated, you'll be mistreated, you'll be misunderstood, you'll be lied about, you'll be gossiped about. Those who are closest to you will turn on you. People who that you thought that uh, were your friends are not your friends and you'll have scars that will last a lifetime. People will attack you who are close to you and all this stuff. I know, and there's no escaping the reality. But the sooner that, listen, that we understand that hurting people hurt people. Do you get that? Hurting people hurt people. And now you realize when people are trying to hurt you, it's because they are hurting. And now I feel sorry and want to pray for them. 
for what's going on in their life. And one of, listen, listen, how do you, how do you, how do you bless someone when you wanna curse them? I'm not talking about cuss at them. When I say curse them, like you just wish life would be so ill to them. How do you do that? Here's one simple thing. Paul talks about it right here. When you're faced with someone who's mistreated you, why don't you ask God to do for them what you want God to do for you? That's tough, right? The Bible's not hard to understand. It's hard to apply. Pray for the person who hurt you and wronged you and ask God to bless them. You say, Pastor, that's just impossible. That's too, that's too, that's, I just can't do that. What if our enemy is a gift from God? Hear me out. I'm not justifying what they did. But God was using the enemy in your life to get you to a point that God wanted to show you something, do something in your life. And I know that kind of challenged your theology because you're like, God's a good God and God's great, God's loving. Why would he let someone hurt me, wrong me? So listen, God doesn't allow that. Like he, he, he allowed that, but God didn't cause that. God didn't say, hey, go into our life and do this. God gives people free will and free choices. And I understand that I can't even fathom my mind around how someone's free will and God is completely sovereign and nothing can escape God's control and nothing can be done unless God allows it to be done. Everything that's happened in your life has been filtered through your heavenly father's hand. And I know sometimes when what happens for most people that makes them wanna run from God instead of running to God because you wanna shake your fist at God and say, why did you let them hurt me? But have you thought that maybe that they're a gift? And you may say, how in the world could that become a gift? Well, that's what Joseph said when his brother sold him into slavery, faked his death, falsely accused, thrown into prison. And then one day he stood in front of the people who hurt him and wronged him and forgave them and said, what you meant for evil, God used it for good. And I know when you're going through things in your life that you're hurting, that's not what you wanna hear. Like that's not a really good Bible verse to tell to people when they're in pain. Well, God's just gonna get glory out of this, Sonny, just keep going. No, I'm gonna jack slap you. Don't say that to me right now, right? It's not what you wanna hear. And there's times that you get to pass something that now only when you look back through your scars do you realize if it wasn't for that moment, I would not be who I am today, what I'm going through today, and how much I've grown today if it wasn't for that pain in my life. It's only hindsight do you can see that. And maybe God brought your enemies into your life to humble you, to get you on your knees, to reveal weakness in your life and to expose you. David would not have been who King David was if Saul did not pursue him to try to take his life. And because that, it made David be the warrior and be the king that God wanted him to be. And no, God knows what's best. And sometimes our enemies, when they come, raises up within us to realize if we wanna be like Jesus, there are some things we're gonna have to go through. And Jesus knows what it's like to have everyone abandon him, everyone turn their back on him, people scattered and to even deny him. So no matter what you have gone through, Jesus says, I've been there and I can help you walk through anything in your life. But if you really love me and my love flows through you, then watch this, be kind 
to the people who hurt you. Make room in your heart for forgiveness. We talked about this three or four weeks ago, right? Make allowances in your heart. Why? Because vengeance is the Lord. And I've turned them over to him and said, God, they are yours. And when you get to that point in your life, peace, kindness begins to flow. If you, if you ever run into an old person who's very mean and angry and bitter, it's because they never forgave somebody in their life who hurt them. And I don't want that for you. And you do not want to grow up to become an old, angry, bitter person because then no one will want to be around you when you get older and you'll die very, very lonely. You don't want to do that because someone has hurt you. Forgive them. Ask God to bless them. And then you go on with your life and you show kindness to the people around you. And someday God will use your scars to minister to other people who are going through the exact same thing you went through. And then you'll look back and go, I would not have this platform because your pain will become your platform to present the gospel to the people around you. And only then can you be able to say what they meant for evil. Man, God used it for good. Real love is kind. Real love, a couple more here, is empathetic. I know there's a lot, but there's so much packed in these verses, I didn't wanna leave them out. Real love is empathetic. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who are weep. It's easier to weep with those who are weeping. When they hurt, you hurt. But so many times it's hard for people to rejoice in other people's accomplishments. When someone comes, you say, I can't believe I got this. You're secretly down the side like, but I wanted that. And you don't wanna rejoice with them. See, real love is empathetic. When you hurt, I hurt. When you're excited, I'm excited. When you're going through pain, I'm gonna go through this with you. See, real love empathizes and understands that I'm gonna get involved in your relationship. I'm gonna come beside you and walk you through this hard time. That's what empathy is. And don't you love when you have those friends who are very empathetic, who just there just to listen? When you hurt, they hurt. When you need them, they're there. They're your 3 a.m. friends, right? They can call you at 3 a.m. and you'll answer. They got refrigerator rights in your house. If they wanna walk in, open refrigerator, they can. Get whatever they want out. And you don't go, why'd you take the last L8? Come on, why'd you take the last L8, right? This is what real friends do, right? They have those rights. But real love is empathetic. Just a couple more here. Real love seeks harmony. Listen to what he says in verse 16. Real love seeks harmony. Live in harmony with each other. What does it mean to be in harmony? Well, the Greek word there really means to think the same things toward each other. Like as you find a friend, we're gonna think the same things toward each other. If you find a married couple, I'm gonna think the same things toward each other. Then we have to be 100% in agreement is that we're gonna think the same thing. We're gonna be on the same page. This picture of harmony implies a beautiful symphony. You have a collection of all these instruments. And when all these instruments plays, it makes a beautiful, beautiful noise. And you know, and that's really, I think, a picture, and this is this not right here in this text per se, because this is talking about Christians loving Christians and just in any type of relationship. Because this will work no matter what relationship you're in. A friendship, honor them. A marriage, honor them. A, a dating relationship, a co-worker, a business partner. Like these principles will work in all your relationship. But this perfect, this picture of harmony is like someone who puts this symphony together. You know, one instrument by itself, ah, don't really sound too good. 
You put them all together and it makes a beautiful, beautiful noise. And that's kind of how I see even my wife and I or, or how God and a married couple, how can God take these two, you know, messed up people and then create this beautiful symphony, using us as instruments to show our children, to show the world, to display. Not that it's perfect. This is what a covenant relationship looks like. This is what a commitment to each other looks like. This is what a marriage looks like. And yes, that's fine for you, but when we got four kids and a dog now, please pray for my wife. Please pray for her. Like now, how do you, how do you display that? How do you let people know, like, this is a symphony. We've worked it out. We had to get on the same page. But now that we're on the same page as a married couple, watch this. May it be a beautiful sound and a beautiful picture to our family, to our friends, to the people around you. See, that's the kind of relationship I want for you. That you find it and you find one that you can live with for the rest of your life and say, let's make a beautiful noise. Let's make a beautiful sound together. One instrument, I'm an instrument, I'm different, you're different. I'm wired away, you're wired away. And honestly, I know my wife and I are completely opposite. And I, I, I get that, but watch this. And this is not like a Jerry Maguire moment here, but really because that we're so opposite, we really do complete each other. Because where I lack in my life, she feels it. And where she lacks, I feel that. And so that we are opposite. And, you, you, and this really, honestly, this is my last one because how do opposites, and come on, you know, you, you probably married them. How do you keep it together? Well, Paul sums it up. In verse 16, he says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And here it is. And don't think you know it all. Real love shows humility. Real love shows humility. None of this can be done until you humble yourself and swallow your pride thinking that you know it all, that it's all about you. You figured it out, you got it all right. No, no, no. When you humble yourself and realize, I don't know it all. Guys, the faster you say, I'm sorry, you were right. Whoa, she's been waiting that for 20 years for you, bro. Right? You're, I'm sorry, you're right, I'm wrong. Not it's my way, it's the highway, I've always right, and I know it's right, I'm the most educated, yeah, I got this stuff right here, you know, I, I've been through this before. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what real love is. Real love humbles himself. Puts the other person first. And listen, I'm not always right, I know that. And the faster you admit that and say that, the faster you continue to grow in that symphony that you grow in that harmony because you learn from each other. Pride puffs up. And honestly, that's a, I'm telling you, that's really the root cause of most people, relationships and marital problems. Is pride has worked its way up. And it's all about you. I want what I want, how I want, how you see it, your worldview, your way or the highway. I mean, come on, we can go on and on and on. Humble yourself. Now, I know there's a lot of context. I mean, I know there's a lot of things right there. But maybe if you could find one or two that go, I need to work on that one. Maybe if you're in a relationship, break these down and say, let's talk this out. When are times in, my, in our relationship that I don't honor you? And then listen. When are times that I've put my needs before your needs? When are times that we are out of sync 
And then listen, you don't get mad about that. Talk about it, be mature about it. If you're dating, listen, you need to look for these things. Do they display these qualities towards me? Are they selfless? Are they all about them? And I know some of them, that's not how it used to be. Then we got married, then he changed. Like people just change. And that's another whole thing we could talk through down the road. But I'm talking about now in your relationships. What do you see? Do you know what real love is? Paul's like, here's a bunch of ideas right here in this passage for you to work through. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you if you would just to bow your heads. And I know that some of the things that I talked about probably brought up some things in your past. Maybe someone's like, man, if I'd have known that just a few years ago or before I got married or wherever you find yourself in the spectrum of relationships, I want you to know this. I mean this so sincerely. Listen to me, sir. Eventually, if you're married or you're about to get married, you plan on getting married, you can never love your wife the way Christ loves the church until you've experienced love from Him. Real love flows from being loved by your heavenly Father. Listen to me, ma'am. You can't love your spouse, your husband, the way he deserves to be loved and to experience an unconditional love from God. And I know some of you right now, listen, all those things I talked about, whether you believed in God or not, go and do those things. Honor each other, put each other first, be selfless, don't be prideful. I'm telling you, they, those things will work in your relationship, but they will only take you so far until you fully have experienced what it means to be fully forgiven, how can you extend it to other people? How can you show unconditional love towards the person maybe you are or plan on spending the rest of your life with? So if that's you, here's what you do. Today, why wait? Give your life to Jesus. God showed you how much He loved you that He sent His one and only Son who died for you. Talk about sacrifice. God sacrificed is one and only son for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants your relationship. He came to you. He made the first step towards you. And so today, I'm gonna ask you, will you take a step towards him? And if that's you, you can cry out right what you said. You can say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I repent of my sin and I give my life to you. Thank you for loving someone like me. Now help me display and love the people around me the way that you love me. And if you're giving your life to Jesus today, listen to me, we wanna celebrate that with you. We're seeing people getting saved. Listen, every week life change are happening. And we want to rejoice with you. God is moving. Listen, I'm telling you, God is moving in our church. I've never been more excited about where God's taken us and leading us and, and, and what he's shown us, the possibilities of continuing to reach people with the gospel. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. And I want you to experience that and in loving relationship with him. Father, thank you so much for your love that you displayed to us, that yet while we were yet still sinners, 
you sent your son who took our place. That God, we are to face your wrath. But now for all of us who are in your son, there will be never, there'll never be any condemnation. There's nothing we can ever do to make you stop loving us. That's real love, unconditional, sacrificial love. And God, if you don't do anything for us for the rest of our life, you've done enough for us for us to follow you for the rest of our lives. Thank you so much that you loved us that much. And as Paul was writing here in Romans, through the power of the Holy Spirit, may we display this same type of love to the people around us. So it was by our love for one another that they will know there is a God for how we love one another, how we get along with each other, how we treat each other, people will see there is a God. And Lord, that's what I pray. For it's your name we ask and we pray.